from the Far East to the Great West. The podcast that celebrates the red-headed stepchild of the Kung Fu genre, Bruce Broitation. Welcome to the Clones Cast. Here are your hosts, Michael and Matthew. Welcome to the Clones Cast. This episode, we're talking about the real Bruce Lee. Directed by, I'm going to say, quote-unquote, someone, because I want to talk to you about that, Michael. Um, It begins with a a brief biography of Bruce Lee, and it shows scenes from four of his childhood films, Bad Boy, Orphan Sam, Kid Chung, and The Carnival. Now, each of these have been, like, made into sepia tone, and they've got a really weird dub. Um, That'll end, so that's, like, the first 30 minutes or something. Then we get into um, a weird, like here's Bruce Lai and how awesome he is. And they're kind of talking down on it. They're like, well, so a bunch of people tried to imitate Bruce Lee and they show actually some of the best Bruce Lai footage. He's just kicking butt and it's beautiful. And then finally they're like, well, like they're just going to, they, they determined it. We're sending it home. Uh, they say, well, we, we elect that the actual best replacement for Bruce Lee ever is Dragon Lee. And then it leads into a movie that's actually called Last Fist of Fury. Um, so Michael, well, we will get to the director thing in a minute, but I want to ask, like I always do, uh, when did you first see this and what do you think? This film is, I, 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 Bruce's deadly fingers would be the, you know, my first film that I ever saw that was a Bruce Lee exploitation film. And this was probably about my, maybe my third or fourth somewhere in there that I had seen, but this is the one where it started my love hate relationship with these movies. And I saw it at the Lux Theater in Oakland, which was on 13th and Broadway. And I've talked about it a few times. It was my church, you know, as a, as a young kid. And I, outside of the clones of Bruce Lee, I think, I saw this more times than I saw anything else at the theater. Every time it would come back. Because back in those days, they'd bring it for a week, and then it would disappear, and then it would show up again a few weeks later, a month later, three months later, whatever it was. By the time I'd seen it about three or four times, I'd already had kids from school coming with me to the screenings and we'd go watch it because I just was so fascinated by this movie. And uh, so, yes, I, I, I saw this back when it, uh, early on when it uh, was, was playing in the theaters. Well, let me ask then, um, because now that I've seen it, um, you explained it to me and I didn't quite get it. You, ha- you kind of have to see it to get it because it is sort of a, a hodgepodge of stuff when you would go back and see it again, were you just as excited to see the old movie footage as the Bruce Lee? Well, no, Lai? and you're right. That's a great point. I actually, I, um, I was, I say, lo- this is why I say love hate because the hate part comes from the fact that I once again got duped in to thinking, you know, as they say on the poster, we positively guarantee the real Bruce Lee, and they did. But he was just, they didn't say he was six years old in the, in the movie, you know? <laughs> So you get kind of pulled into that. And so after I'd seen that twice, I would just time it where I would show up later into the movie and catch the, the end part with Dragon Lee. So that, the hate part, of course, is that sort of, God, they got me again, those, you know, those effers. They pulled me in and they sucked me in. But on the same token, but, you know, there's... It was the first time I had actually seen the footage of Bruce Lee at that press conference. They have a little bit of the clips from the press conference. They also had some of the funeral footage. Now, there's another movie um, called The Last Days of Bruce Lee. It's not really a movie. It's actually a 
sort of a 20 minute documentary that Betty Ting Pei did that got stuck mm. at the end of Godfather. Uh, what was it called? Um, Godfather of Fury, I can't, a, a Michael Chan movie. But it um, it was sort of like this propaganda piece where she's trying to get herself out of being responsible for Bruce Lee's death. But that that particular one had probably the most funeral footage anywhere. But prior to seeing that, this was where I was the only place I'd seen it. So it was kind of like really, you know, it hit you in the, in the heart to go, oh my God, look at all those people. And they're, oh my, you know, it was just, it was kind of like a, a, an awakening moment. So that's where the sort of love, and then I love Dragon Lee. I fell in love with Dragon Lee. And to this day, he has like remained my favorite of these Bruce Lee imitators, you know? Um, and, uh, so yeah, I would I would bypass after the first couple of times because I'd seen the these clips of uh, Bruce Lee's um, uh, older films a number of times, and so you know it was uh, I was I was in there for Dragon Lee at that yeah. point. You knew to come thirty five forty minutes late. <laughs> um, this that said, I've now seen a number of Dragon Lee movies. This is the best I've ever seen him. He's so good in terms of his martial arts. Um, I did read something where somebody said this gets kind of confusing in terms of Chinese martial arts versus like Korean martial arts and how they, I don't know, it's like there's no, they aren't direct with it. But um, but for me, not actually noticing a lot of the differences, Dragon Lee's kicking ass throughout this whole thing. Well, I think what they're probably referring to is that you've got a lot of the, the costumes in this are very... I mean, this movie is basically a spinoff of Fists of Fury. The name of the school, the Ching Wu school, right. is the same as Fists of Fury. The, the, the original title, I think, is... Um, there's a couple original titles, but when it was released in Korea, even before Seraphim Karalexi's got a hold of it and put it in the United States... It was called uh, the last of the Ching Wu school, or the last of Fist mm-hmm. of Fury. So you know, it was playing as a as a basically a follow up in in a very sort of tacit way, you know. Um, but I think what what they're probably referring to is most of these martial arts movies. You're going to always see technique wise, you know, overlaps from different martial arts. But he's the character here, of course, is you know of Dragon Lee and his his students. You know, at times are wearing traditional geese, those white. Um, training uniforms, which are more traditionally Japanese and Korean than they are Chinese. Right. And so, but at the same time, he's also dressing up in his Chinese, you know, outfit that, you know, the, the, the top and the, the pants that are, you know, obviously Bruce Lee made famous. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, I wanted to say, um, well, first off, the old movies, it's interesting the first time, but um, I watched this a couple times, and the second time it was hard to get through them. Like, there's a novelty to seeing young Bruce, but there's also something about seeing Bruce and seeing him in such this raw, like, young form where he's just being used as a character. It's not that enjoyable. But that led me to go onto the Internet, Internet Movie Database site, and I, I then went and I watched the Milton Berle show where he comes on as Cato, and um, I saw him as, hold on, I'll, I'll pull it up here. Uh, he was on, um, oh, here come, here come the brides. Here comes, here comes uh, the brides, yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the episode called Marriage, Chinese Style. So it was interesting to see him there. We've all seen the Marlowe stuff, which is funny. But it's interesting to see Bruce before he had any control over his own destiny, and he's just doing his thing. It reminds me that I haven't seen a ton of The Green Hornet, and I think you have. Yeah, and what well, it's kind of cool about those old films too is they only have I think they they mistake the first the early one they show as his first one he he actually Bruce Lee's first appearance he was a baby still his dad brought him onto a 
you know, I used them as a prop, basically, on one of their, their films. <laughs> he had done a couple before, the first one they showed here. But, which is interesting, because his father, and they pointed out in the in the documentary, is that his father is also in it. So they're they're both on screen together, which is kind of, you know, kind of a cool moment. Totally. Um, and that the, um, the film uh, Kid Chung was actually directed by Feng Feng, who was the actor, remember in Enter the Fat Dragon, who owned the, the, the Chinese restaurant, his face kind of looked yes. messed up, and he was that, that's actually, he actually directed that film, oh, so, wow. so it's kind of a neat little tie-in with, with Bruce Ploitation, but this, you know, the, the one thing about, the other thing about this film that stands out, of course, is the theme music, you know, which is called, the, the theme music for the real Bruce Lee is called The Devil's Gun, and it's by CJ and Company. But it was used in this film, and you hear it constantly through the movie, so it always got stuck in my head. <laughs> nice. Um, well, let me let me ask you. Um, yeah. The, where does the Bruce Lie footage come from? Well, that's that stuff's kind of interesting. I talked to him about it, and he's the problem is you know again with these movies they they watch the footage and they see it and they're like, ah, I just it all kind of blends together for me in a ca- in a case. But I, what had happened was when Seraphin Karalexis went to get the went to find some films he's he'd already just he'd be just started making you know releasing kung fu movies he started off in like softcore porn kind of stuff you know when he was he was doing films mm-hmm. but when he went out there he um he did manage to get an unfinished bunch of uh, footage from a bruce Lai movie i don't think they were ended up using it in mm-hmm. any film actually um, which is kind of unfortunate because it's clearly another Bruce Lee movie. Some of the some of the footage, because if you look on the wall, it says Jeet Kundo and and I mean, which could be, I mean, they're clearly referencing Bruce Lee. There's some stuff from uh, Bruce uh, Bruce Lee against Superman where he dresses like Kato, um, but it's it's most of it is pulled from uh, an unfinished Bruce Lee film. That's cool. And you, yeah, it's obviously him being Bruce. That's Otherwise, they wouldn't have used it. It looks just like Bruce. There's a point where I feel like if I would have been back then and not, quote unquote, more sophisticated, <laughs> I would have thought, is that Bruce? And that's what they were trying to do, right? So let's go really quickly to the director thing. So on the Internet Movie yeah. Database, the director is Jim Markovic. But in the film itself, they say... Well, director Seraphim Karalexis is saying that. Yeah, Seraphim Seraphim Karalexis is kind of the producer. He sort of he ran a company called Madison Pictures that did black, the Black Dragon movies that we. we oh saw yeah, of course. Kung Fu Fever, you know that was awesome. Yeah. that's where he was after after he'd done the Black Dragon and, and done this one. That's where he's like pairing up the two of them, you know, to try to get the the most out of his uh, his buck. So, um, the original film, Last Fist of Fury was directed by um, Kim Si-hyun, who did most of Dragon Lee's films over there. Godfrey Ho would always put his name on them when they'd come over here, but but, <laughs> but it was Kim Si-hyun was the... Yeah, <laughs> that's right. He wasn't even up there. They just figured... He didn't even know half the time when he put the, put, put their uh, his name on there. He was just like... I, when Thomas Tang and Joseph Lai would get these films, they'd just stick his name on there. Um, but then... So that film was Seraph and Karalexis had re- already released the duel. He'd gone over to after he had seen Five Fingers of Death doing so well in a Boston movie theater. He went over to Hong Kong and showed up at the Shaw Brothers and ended up making a deal for about fifty thousand dollars and picked up the duel, which was a, a Shaw Brothers film with T Lung. Brought it back, re- renamed it Duel of the Iron Fist. And that fifty thousand investment became like four million dollars for him. Wow! So he said, "All right, I'm going to do this again. Bruce Lee's really popular. Let me go over there and see what I can find." 
he went he 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 knew somebody who had had a bunch of the Bruce Lee footage when he was a kid. So he had already gotten this idea in his head, like I can say this has got Bruce Lee in it because I've got this footage I can use. So he was already you know onto his little plot with this movie, which you got to give it a lot of credit, man. It was the first one to go off and do something like this, and and so right. he goes out there, um, finds Last Fist of Fury, brings it back over here. So now him and Jim, who you brought up earlier, is more or less the editor. He he basically Mark he's still he's still out in New York uh, the company still I mean I've seen I'll just say that I actually got a chance to see the 35 millimeter recently a film print of this that they they still have and um, so he was more or less the editor he's the one that trimmed down Last Fist of Fury the 20 minutes or so into what it is that you now get at the end of uh, the real Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so I think, yeah, so we get through all this. And I'm glad you brought that up because the quality of this, I had to look at, um, like, I I won't exaggerate. I went to four different sources because I read that it was available out on archive.org, but that quality, the quality of that one was just as bad as one of the ones I found on YouTube. And I just kept searching and I finally found one that was, like, pretty good. So if if you guys aren't following us exactly to this point, this is a weird meshed up that you had an announcer giving sort of a documentary take on Bruce Lee's life. And it starts out that his first role at the ripe age of six, which as Michael's already pointed out, is complete bullshit, but you know, it was 1977. So they could say whatever the hell they wanted. Um, They show some old footage of stuff they found. They show some cool footage of Bruce Lee, but then the actual movie starts about 35 to 40 minutes in and that we're watching, um, it's called, I guess, Last Fist of Fury. Yeah, or Last of the Jungmu Martial Arts Hall is Perfect. another title for it in South Korea. <laughs> yeah. Which is one of the nicest quality Dragon Lee films I've seen. And it is, I mean, I wrote in my notes, it's so nice being back in the Fist of Fury days. Like, it feels the same. The sets are all on a stage or something like that. Like, they're not being filmed out in on the streets. Like you can see kind of fake walls and... and yeah, a lot of this is soundstage, you're right. And yeah. I think part of that had to do with the fact that it was so cold. <laughs> right. You know, right. It was a, they were shooting it in the winter time too. So it was, uh, you know, I, I've never been there during the winter. I, well, actually, I, well, I guess I was there in November. But it, but um, uh, so yeah, you're right. There, there is a, that is one thing about this tonally, this film has a great feel to it in terms of the sort of old school Kung Fu feel, which is part of the reason I think it's so great, you know? Yeah. No, for sure. Um, and, and you said it like you can see Dragon Lee's breath often. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially on those soundstage scenes, you can really tell. Which, you know, it's funny, the sound stuff, the soundstage stuff, some of the lighting in it's so bad. It's just sort of like there's, it's like overlit. Everybody looks like there's a clear, you know, <laughs> Kino hitting them hard from the side. And they're, you know, just, it looks like you're on a soundstage. But, and it even feels slightly claustrophobic sometimes when they're like walking down these supposed city streets, you know, you just kind of feel like, no, you're in a room right now. But it, the, the, I think the way the, 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 again, the tone of the story with, with the Kung Fu rivaling Kung Fu after the Japanese, you know, the ninjas and all that, it's just so well done. And it's just, it's a bizarre, bizarre movie, as I'm sure we'll start talking about, but it just, I think it's, I think it's really great. I mean, it's just like entertaining from beginning to end. Yeah, you you said it. There's um, we we're thinking of the same scene. There's a scene where they're all stomping down the road to go find Bruce Lee to kill him. It's all the Japanese, and I'd love to throw out 
right away. The Japanese in this, um, there are multiple people in a row that have Hitler mustaches because they aren't exactly the Japanese. They're the Nazis, <laughs> but they're also the Japanese because of the Japanese occupation of China. But um, yeah, it's really like small little alleys. And there's a great scene. It should be the same scene from, um, I guess it would be from Chinese Connection um, where they're in the dojo and there's the big fight. But instead of this big room with a camera looking down and seeing kind of the width of it and showing choreography, it's a small room. It's like it's like seven by seven by seven. <laughs> it makes it yeah. really rough to watch. Yeah, and they actually they sh- that's, that's the other thing that's funny about this film is they shoot a lot of really wide angle lenses because I think the the sets were so small. <laughs> I mean, to the point of it being a fisheye lens, so it kind of like warps a little bit on the on the <laughs> right and the left. And the cinematographer on this, which I think this is some of his best work, because you'll watch him as he goes along. Um, I have to blank it on his name right now, but he um, he actually did he did almost every single one of Dragon Lee's um, films. Oh, his name's um, Shen, Shen Ming. So Shen Ming um, also did a film called The Hot, The Cool, and The Vicious, which is completely ah. exploitation related, but it's a it's like one of my all time. Top Your favorite. Kung Fu. Yeah, so he did that. As, he, he was one of the two um, cinematographers on that. But what's, another good thing about this film, in terms of the shooting, since we're on that topic, is it's not a lot of kind of frenetic handheld work. Where they're, Sometimes when the handheld work's not really well done, it just feels a little sloppy and clunky. There was a lot of this that was done on a tripod where they just kind of let the choreography go and... and staged it really well you know now today a lot of martial arts uh, or if i should say fight films or action films are, are rarely done on, on a tripod they're kind of you're doing it with a steady cam or they're moving they're like they keep the camera moving with the action like that's sort of more the the look of it today but there's something to be said for somebody that sometimes just locks the camera off for you know whatever it is 10 seconds 15 seconds old school style and does some great choreography you know yeah, for sure. Um, my biggest complaint in this one is that I could tell that the choreography was really good, and I could see that some of the what they were leading up to was terrific. But something happened, and it might have been the like it just might be. It, it probably you tell me. Did it happen in the in the editing room that you get like the um, Dragon Lee's about to kick somebody, and then it kind of cuts, and he's already landed, and you didn't see the connection, and then. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's that's a that's more. I think that's more because you can if you watch some of the the different versions, you'll see it's sort of consistent. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it was probably you know something off of one of the original negatives. Whether it was you know I mean it's consistent enough where you can kind of imagine they thought well if we cut here we can just pick up on the the after the hit and it it probably just didn't always work that well. But that I mean again, one of the things about this this movie that's just so crazy is is how crazy it is. You know, it's like it doesn't always work. It's not always effective. I don't sit here and watch the fight scenes. I mean, he's he flies through the air and walks on people's heads. You know what I mean? It's sort of like the the way they, they stretch the action in this is just so insane, particularly at that time where I don't think they were working with a whole lot of money. Oh, we didn't get there yet, and we need to. I want no, to we hear... do. Well, let, let's start off at the beginning then. You know, we, we have that opening scene. When we get into the Dragon Lee thing, we've got that opening scene with the rocks. Right. Yes. No, please take it. Um, I want to, yeah. Give us, give us the loader. Well, no, no, I just was saying it's such a, it's a great introduction to Dragon Lee. And on the, and when you're watching the real Bruce Lee, of course, the, 
the narrator's going, and now we present to you the latest sensation, Dragon Lee. And then, you know, here's Dragon <laughs> Lee. His shirt's off. He's gigantic. He's ripped. He's shredded. He's probably in the best shape of his life. And he's standing out at a waterfall, of course, to give the power and that energy. And he's in nature. And he's and he, he's got these boulders at his feet. Now, of course, they're the only, like, blue boulders in the entire vicinity. And he kicks them into a bullseye that he's got set up um, across the, across the way. Yes, and it's just it so sets the tone for this wacky movie. Um, so yeah. So, anyways, it starts off there, yeah. and, and you can take it from there. Well, then we get yeah the old master, which I love. You know, long gray beard and all the classic stuff. You you're just in a classic kung fu movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, yeah. Lee A. Min. Yeah. And it's funny, I I just watched this twice and I didn't even think about the rock thing, but you're right. Like, that's how crazy this movie is. Um, eventually, I mean, we're starting out there and then we're getting into the classic story from Fist of Fury. So a dude has died. He's one of the Chinese and the Japanese have done it because they're trying to take over the school. So Bruce, he's going to, you know, throw everything to the side and go save the day. And... It really plays out pretty standard um, up to that point. I did like, as you said, the way the announcer, the announcer had been announcing everything. Here's this movie. Here's this movie. Here's Bruce Lee's real history of movies. Um, Here's Bruce Lai, which I noticed that Bruce Lai looked awesome. And I thought, like, if he could have been an international superstar, like he had the look, he's kind of like James Tien. He's a good looking, thin, tall-ish he looks badass. Um, but then it's kind of like, screw all that. We were just kidding. <laughs> we showed you some stuff. It's time for the real decision that Seraphim Caralexis elected Dragon Lee as the actual replacement. So here we go. Yeah, so the rocks, uh, we get to the point where um, they show all the same stuff from Fist of Fury. Like, there's the banner, and instead of it getting crumpled up or whatever, somebody just kind of punches a hole in it. We're taking yeah. it all to a whole new level. Um, now the Japanese aren't just like if you 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 pointed out when we did uh, Fist of Fury, it's a bunch of Chinese people wearing like heavy wigs and stuff to look Japanese. Now Japanese are have Hitler mustaches and they've got katana guns, and it's a whole new thing. Yeah. Now, did you get a chance to see the full uncut version of Last Fist of Fury to see what they had cut out for the real Bruce Lee? No, I did not. Okay, so just to anybody that is interested enough, there's another version. You can find it online. It, it is out there where, and they still, I think, call it the real Bruce Lee. You just have to kind of just double check. It's not going through all the the stuff at the beginning with the old Bruce Lee footage. Mm. But um, but the film, it, the, most of the stuff that got cut out was in the first half of the movie. And it deals with the brother, brother Tom or they they talk about who was killed by the Japanese. You see, you get to meet him. You it's all flashbacks, and we see that him and Dragon Lee had this sort of uh, really kind of intense sort of you know slightly you know um, slightly kind of antagonistic relationship with each other. But they were brothers, and they were both vying for the girl for in the story. And and um, but they're very competitive with each other. We see him getting killed by the Japanese in the beginning on a beach and so there's this all this backstory with that relationship that got taken out. And then pretty much once Dragon Lee gets down to the old school and rebuilds it, it kind of just 
is is at that point where it's sort of the the whole movie's the same. But um, there's a good you know fifteen to twenty minutes taken out of of the actual film for that uh, for the real Bruce Lee. So if you if you see the real Bruce Lee and you just got to see that whole Dragon Lee movie, look it up. You can find it online um, pretty readily now. Uh, it's either under Last Fist of Fury or uh, the real Bruce Lee. But there and there's some fight scenes. I mean, there's a good you know four or five different fight scenes that are cut out of the out of the, the film. Well, you mentioned that to me actually, and I didn't get it, and now I get it. It's because there is this movie that's tacked on to all this other stuff, and of course they couldn't just put in an hour and a half on top of the forty minutes of other stuff. It never would have went, you know. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to hear your favorite scene from uh, well, yeah from the actual uh, real. I'm sorry. My thing, actually, as from okay, I, I'll tell you. Not only was this the third or fourth film I ever saw, this was actually the second VHS tape I ever bought. I paid forty nine dollars for it as a kid. Damn. I bought I, the first one. I bought was actually Enter the Dragon, and I still it was in a clam shell case, big V, you know, big, and I still have it today. I still have the the same. I don't know how I've managed to hang on to it this whole time, but I I a number of times I almost threw it away, and for whatever reason it didn't. Now that I have it, I'm like I'm not I'm never getting rid of this thing. <laughs> this is my no. the real Bruce Lee original videotape. But um, though I have to say that the the final fight in this movie is I think the greatest final fight of any Dragon Lee movie ever, um, and I could just sort of lump the whole thing in. My, I would say that the scene that always stuck out at me, and I think from a perspective of being very funny at times, but also having some really like kind of high quality uh, martial arts choreography, is the scene where he is walking to, you know, leaving the mountain to go to to get to the school, and he gets ambushed by the guys in the trees. Yeah. And they, they pop really out of up, the trees. They set up fake trees that have doors, and so when he comes walking through, they pop out. And that's where we get the first flying over the head, running on their, their mugs scene. It's one of my favorite scenes, where he's in the tree, and he's just like kind of reaching down with his feet like their hands, and he's just kicking the hell out of their heads. <laughs> yeah, full Three Stooges, man. Oh, totally. So what is that? what's your favorite scene? Okay, so you kind of said it earlier. It gets so that was one that was weird because it's almost like Crouching Tiger kind of level of wire stuff. But there's a great scene towards the end of this um, where he starts kicking these plants, just like he kicked the rocks at the beginning. So right. he kicks the first plant and it just sort of bashes off to the side. But then he kicks the second plant and it hits the Hitler Japanese guy like dead on or whatever, and it murders the hell out of him. This is it was beautiful. There's also a scene. I mean, it's beautifully, it's like right in there, like right after the plant kicking scenes. But um, the camera changes and looks directly at Dragon. And then Dragon almost floats across, like like a poltergeist across the room. It's like he's on a wire, he's on roller skates, but he gets to the other side and he just kicks a little more ass. It was awesome. Yeah, that's and that's it. This, the wire work in this is so... It's it's they're not trying to make it look like anybody's really leaping. It's all about just flying vertically across the <laughs> across the air. Yeah, it is just it's too much, man. I love and I love the, how he catches the guys. The um, character that plays Mister Gruber is uh, Kim Ki Ju, who's if <laughs> right. you watch if you watch Shaw Brothers movies, he's in like a ton of them. Like he's in King Boxer and um, When Taekwondo Strikes is another one that he's in, which actually. 
is a little bit of a Bruce connection there because Bruce Lee was, you know, around on that set on when Taekwondo strikes, he was trying to help, you know, his friend June Ri get in there. So, you know, for, for all we know, Kim, Kim had a chance to meet with Bruce a couple of times, but the fact that he has those, those, um, tambourine style Frisbee death, you know, flying mm-hmm. guillotines that he uses and then Dragon Lee actually catches them in his teeth, which is the in best. his mouth. Yeah. Was the best. And, I get, and, and I can tell you when I saw this, at the Lux in uh, in Oakland, the crowd would go so nuts at the end when he would do this stuff. That it, that, and I, I still, when I watch it today, I can't get the screams out of my head, you know, the cheering of the crowd. Because there's so many beats and moments in the final fight when there's a... At the end of this movie, Dragon Lee goes to, to the fortress because they've kidnapped the girlfriend, of course, and, um, and um, they've killed the master. So he's going to assault the... Um, assault the uh, stronghold and the greatest thing about it is they've got this it's like a house of traps they've got everything set up so he gets trapped in a room with bars and then spears come at him and he jumps up and a guy's who <laughs> funny remember there's a guy who's looking at him through the eye hole and dragon lee goes at him <laughs> with a finger like to poke him in the eye and then a knife pops through and and then he jumps up through the window and he crawls underneath and he pops under the tatami mats and then all these ninjas show up which I don't know why they put the masks on because they just well you know from right. the story point they just kind of they've seen his face now they put the masks on to fight him, but the the sequences in there they so metho- it's not like in some movies you watch where they're fighting masses of people and then you just kind of notice that there's less and less and less like they're just getting pinned off. They really tried to let you see how each one of these guys went down. Like let's give each guy a good send off. And that's where I thought that this film just kind of rose above the others is that he really he just goes through them and you just watch as each guy just loses it. You know, it's great. It's, it's and it's got every weapon. You've got swords. He pulls out a pair of nunchakas. He kicks a sword out of one guy's hand, you know, um, hand catches in his teeth. You know, I mean, it's just the greatest the, the end of this movie. No, I there's a point over and over. Yeah, there's <laughs> a point where he's got a nunchaku in one hand and the katana in the other. And yep. he's just slash hit slash hit slash hit and yeah him versus a room of 12 ninjas after he jumped out of the mat very awesome so the big he, final scene oh sorry go ahead. oh no no go ahead go ahead and say i was gonna say and then we you know i thought that was it i'm like oh damn all those ninjas but then i forgot about gymnast hitler and beery i'll call him the two main Mr. Gruber. Yeah, Mr. like Gruber. there's kind of a a thing. Like he goes and looks at who he just killed and he pulls off their masks and it wasn't the guys. So it's Gruber and Gymnast Hitler and they just kind of pop up. They're like, "Nope, sorry. That wasn't us. This is yeah, us." Yeah, which is great, which is I think well, you know what? I actually had answered my question earlier. I think which again, you got to give them a little credit for that was their point of putting the masks on from the not from the story perspective, but for the audience's perspective. Because now you got all these masked people, and he's got to go through them all because he can't tell who the two main bad guys he really wants to kill are. And of course, it's the only two that didn't die at the end. <laughs> but uh, but it's great, you know. I mean, it's such a great little little bit when they with that. Well, this was filled with wacky weapons. We had the uh, katana gun. So there was just a standard katana, but this dude could kind of hit the back of it and make it shoot out, like, and extend itself, like, 10 feet. But the reason I bring that up is, uh, of course, uh, the the gymnast Hitler guy at the end, he had, like, a tape measure attack. It's like a, it's it really yeah. was like a, a thin metal strip that he could just kind of shoot out and, and, yeah, and Dragon, yeah, did his thing. 
And then this this film, there's a follow up to this film called Dragon Lee versus the Five Brothers or the Five Brothers, and uh, that you can tell it was just rolled right off of this one, and it's a lot of the same exact actors and cast and and uh, oh, crew cool. and yeah, and it has some actually some similar <laughs> similar storyline elements, but uh, um, yeah, this this one's always been my favorite. I, I think a lot of people feel that way that for Dragon Lee, it's and I just. You know, he was just on top of his game, man. He was like fully intense. Just he was Bruce times ten. He's he's in great shape. He's uh, you know, it's just and there's some just great choreography in this. And I don't mean choreography great as like you know we're talking like Tony Jaw great choreography. You know what I mean? I'm just talking about so inventive and creative and absurd that it's fun to watch. Yeah. Well, I stopped even listing Bruceisms because he's doing all Bruce. Um, but I'm I'm going to give them to you right now. So he did right. he did the cat sounds. He did the dragon stance from Way of the Dragon. He does the classic kick where he jumps in the air and he kicks two people at the same time. One you know left, one right. Uh, he also did they fall back on his back and kick somebody from below, which was straight out of Ed of the Dragon. Nunchakus. Um, I, I this is when I started getting like okay, I got to stop. Uh, the whole plot stolen from Fist of Fury. <laughs> uh kitana fight against the japanese you name it it's it's all this was all bruce all day no it was and i and i know it was um when this film came out in korea it was in uh, around 77 i think 77 78 i talked to dragon lee about this now he said it was it had played in a theater in downtown uh seoul that I, I don't know. It seems it seems like pretty big to me. That had like thirty five hundred seats. Like, but yeah. whatever it was, he was trying to make a, a point that it was a giant theater and it was a huge hit for them. And that's kind of why he kept you know working with the same people you know afterwards because it, it did so well there. And then I, I'm sure, which is how I'm sure Seraph and Carolexi's heard about it eventually. And 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 he he paid like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for that movie. You know, so he paid fifty grand to the Shaws, but then he, I think he paid mm-hmm. quite a bit more for this one. Well, I, for one, want to see the whole thing, the whole uh, real Fist of Yeah, you look it up. You'll see it. It's online. Um, I, uh, you know, it's, like I said, it's the only place I've ever seen it has been online because I haven't had, you know, or or a DVD that I'd seen. I didn't get, you know, I've never seen a full release of it uh, theatrically or anything. But, you know, when this came out, and and you've got to keep in mind, this thing made a lot of money. It came out in August of 79, which is when, like, you had... Moonraker and Amityville Horror and Rocky Two, so you know it was up against some good competition, but you know it did really well, you nice. know for for Care Alexis, yeah. Well, it was rich. it was a ton of fun. And again, it's you know it's it is um, you know it's the the epitome of Bruce Ploitation, right? I mean, you've got we're gonna we're, you're suckering the audience in that Bruce Lee's involved. You got a complete send off of a Bruce Lee movie. You're, you've got in-your-face Bruce Lee imitators. It's not even that, you know, they're in it. It's not that they're trying to hide it. There's like, here's a Bruce Lee imitator. So, you know, in, in so many ways, this film just stood out as such a <laughs> such a high mark for Bruce Ploitation as it sort of represented all that's great and terrible about it. Yeah, uh, I, I thought it was lovely beginning to end. It really was. I mean, I love the interesting weapons. I think you said it. Dragon Lee was top of his game. Um it is weird to get to anybody that, that we've said this before. You're going to have to like get through some interesting stuff in the beginning, which you, if you haven't seen, it's cool, but otherwise it's easy to fast forward to 35 minutes and just jump straight into the, 
action. They warn you at the beginning of this film. They say, we're going to show you four films from Bruce Lee, and then the rest of this movie is pure action. So they're not lying. It was great. Yeah, and and actually, Tarantino owns a print of this, and he screened it uh, twice in, uh, I think, 2000, just last, actually, just a few months ago, which is would have been late 2017, and then the time I saw it, when I or it was ten years before that in two thousand seven, he was doing this actually this kung fu sort of um, retrospect thing at at the New Beverly Theater, and he showed a bunch of his uh, his films, you know, Big Boss Part Two and a few other films that he showed at this uh, screening. But you know, it uh, he to, actually owns it. To be rich. Uh, to be rich, yeah. <laughs> Cheers to you, sir. Good. Yeah. Congrats on being horribly rich. Um, well, well, God, I'm I, glad we broke you in on this early uh, Dragon Lee, man. No, I love it. This is the most unusual one that you've hit me with yet. Um, just considering it, it did remind me a lot of um, uh, the man, the myth, in terms of how they set it up. But it was really strange the way they kind of tied it all together. But I loved it. Um, and this showed me a dragon I don't think I'd seen before. I'd seen him being less Bruce-like, and this was just pure. Again, this could have just been the sequel to Fist of Fury like they hoped it would be. Yeah, the, the last Fist of Fury. All right, well, guys, um, I mentioned last episode we have a phone number, 424-257-0344. Uh, we did a call uh, out last episode that uh, you should let us know what you thought of this one, if you'd seen the real Bruce Lee. Uh, if somebody called, <laughs> I'm going to have some stuff to play, and if not, shame on you people. <laughs> call us up. But I have a feeling I have something I'm going to play right now. And in fact, I do. I have a message from Chris the Brain from one of my favorite websites of all time, BulletproofAction.com. Have a listen. Hello, Michael and Matthew. This is Chris the Brain from BulletproofAction.com, and I have a question regarding the real Bruce Lee. Now, the version of the real Bruce Lee I saw began with some narration that advised the viewers of what was in store for them. The narrator stated that we would see 30 minutes of Bruce Lee's work as a child actor, and that would be followed by 90 minutes of action, so 120 minutes altogether. But the weird thing was, the version I was watching was only 93 minutes long. So, I mean, and I've seen the real Bruce Lee listed as 115 minutes in some places. Uh, the runtime on the VHS that Michael posted on Twitter was 108 minutes. How many different cuts are there, and why are there so many different versions of the real Bruce Lee? With the uh, the running time of the real Bruce Lee, I think it's just another one of those typical lazy oversights on the part of the distributors. The, it, it might also be the fact that because of the the running time of a general film, it's 90 minutes, that when they're looking at how there's a half hour of Bruce Lee footage, i.e. Bruce Lee footage, um, and then a movie, that would bring it to two hours. But the reality is the original film, Last Fist of Fury, which Seraphim Karalexis picked up, um, was truncated. Uh, Jim Markovic, the, the director slash editor, cut it down about a half an hour, 20-some-odd minutes. So what you have is a 60-minute-plus film with the 30 minutes. So the, the real running time of the real Bruce Lee would come in around 90-something minutes. I've never really sat and clocked it, but it's somewhere in there. So I think that's where the confusion is. There's really one movie. Now, 
there actually was a slightly longer version that was never released. Who knows? Might get released sometime soon. But, uh, it, and really what that was was the extra footage was just the screen test from the Cato uh, screen test or the, the Charlie Chan's number one son screen test that Bruce Lee did in the late 60s. They couldn't put it in at the last minute because of, uh, you know, legal reasons, uh, probably with 20th Century Fox more than anything. So um, the running time, I think, comes in around 100 plus minutes in the end. The one that, that I saw playing in the theaters, uh, the original release was 100 something minutes. So there you go. Well, thanks, Michael. And thank you, Chris. And thank you all for listening. Uh, next up for us is The Dragon Dies Hard. Give us a call, send us a message, and we will talk to you about it. Uh, just in case you didn't write it down, 424-257-0344. That said, I'm sending you all out to an excerpt from The Devil's Gun by CJ and Company. Till next time.